Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. People say, well, I'm God's favorite. They hear something about favorite, and they say, well, I'm God's favorite. This is not why they're thinking. Hebrews, people that inspire us, encourage us, people who walked in front of us, blazed a trail, pioneers. Hebrews 11 said they lived and died in faith, hoping to see our day, but they they didn't see our day. But you're going to see this day. And I I don't know how it's going to happen to transpire, but 2018 is, is about to be a... Yes. You know, I, I don't. I don't keep up with modern day phrases, but it's going to be off the chain. Yeah. <laughs> and if it doesn't look like it now, that, that, uh, I mean, hey, what we're seeing now has nothing to do with anything. I'm telling you, this is this is the springboard this year. So if you're if you're going to pay attention, you better pay attention this year. And I believe we're going to come to places where uh, we're, we're going to. You know, it, it's almost as if. The church has been hid away. And the church today has dealt with more. um, There's things that have laid in your heart for a number of years, and your mind has wanted to almost say, God, what about this? Where are you? What about these things? And I'm telling you, God has worked his plan, and he's working his plan, and and he is at the place now where he's, He's opening up the curtain. He's stretching it back, and he's, he's going to reveal, and it's this year he's going to reveal that which has been said and spoken and declared by many. And things that you've had in your heart, I don't think that you're going to actually know what all he had in mind for you when you begin to see it unfold. You were thinking, could it be this, and it's going to be so far past that. Have you ever been on the interstate going somewhere and you was going the speed limit? Maybe you was even going a little bit, a little bit, a bit above the speed limit. You don't have to raise your hand if you want. But you was going a little bit faster than 70 and someone passed you like, like there ain't no tomorrow. Yes. That ever happened to you? Yes, It would be like you've, you're going to come up to speed and all of a sudden you're going to realize God's doing something so much bigger and so much faster. and He's going to pull you in the draft of it. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We are in the times where everybody in the church is going to get healed on the same day. Amen. And no one's going to lay hands on anyone. Amen. Are, are you, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And you're not going to agree doctrinally, and that's why it happened. You're not going to agree. You're not going to have every, said everything right. You're not going to have jotted out every little T and crossed and all that kind of stuff. The glory of God is in our midst. Amen. And there, there are keys to things. Why you know why these things are happening, and so this is this is a this is a time when I ministered a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago. There's two times of time, you know, and we have the chronos time, and we have the time that we have on our watch that you can't speed up or you can't slow it down. But you have other times that God set on His calendar. Remember that we was talking about some of that out of Jeremiah. He said, He said, the the bird knows, the dove knows. In other words, a, a goose knows, or the geese, 
know when to fly. They, they know when to migrate. He said, but my people don't know what time it is. Yeah. And uh, how, do, how, does the, how do the geese know when to go south? It's coded in their DNA. And so Jesus was telling the people, you're, you're well aware of when you think it's going to rain and going to you know, have thunderstorms. You can discern the weather, but he said you don't discern the time, what time it actually is. And it's supposed to be coded in us to know what time. Michelle had been teaching, you know what, out of Psalms 23, <clears throat> and she picked up on again what last Wednesday. And it talked about sheep, and sheep are always moving. Why? Because it's, it's about migrating. If you leave a herd of sheep or flock of sheep in the field too long, I mean, they'll, they'll mow it down. There'll be nothing there. to. So a good shepherd has to keep them moving, yes. keep things in front of them. And, he, and he's taken them to a good place. Well, that out of Jeremiah 7 really is the same word. He said, it says, you don't know the times of, 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 uh, of legislation. In other words, God is legislating some things from heaven that he's, he has on his calendar. He said, I'll open a door that no man can shut this door. And I'll open doors that no man's never been able to open. Amen. And no man will ever stop me. That's right. And so you've been, you, you've been kind of like hit away. It's kind of like school. You, you do 12 years and then you learn some more and you get some more. Have you ever noticed, you know, when you went to school in kindergarten they taught you math? Did you notice they taught you math again in the first grade? Did they repeat it in the second and third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and all the way till you got out of that place? And if you went on for some college, you might have had some more math. And if you want to go back to college, they got some more math. And you could go to school and be schooled beyond your intelligence. And get further degrees. And you could just learn more and more and more and more. Paul said there's a, there's a danger in that. He said sometimes people are always learning, but they don't ever come to the knowledge of what they learned, the truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. So, so, so these are the times. And, and God has positioned you. He's ready. He's ready. So he's trying to tell, he's sending people by our way and saying, wake up. We're, we're ready to go. Now, when, you, when you're excited about something, <clears throat> I, I don't hunt anymore. I haven't hunted in years. I don't even own a gun, not really. But uh, <clears throat> so if you come by and ask me, I throw knives at you, kitchen knives. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I got a little something, uh, you know, but make you mad if I had to shoot you with it. But anyway. Uh, but when people's excited about something, and hunters, you know, even when they get up four o'clock in the morning, man, they're thrilled. They can't wake up. Actually, they have a hard time going to sleep if they're excited about it, or they don't even they set the clock, but they wake up before the clock goes off. I don't do that anymore. You know, <clears throat> and so if, if I was hunting, it would be out of necessity of food, and so it, it wouldn't be up to be four o'clock in the morning. But but you know what I'm saying. You know, whether it's that or you know you're going shopping or it's the the sale of all sales, and you know there's only going to be two hours and. You, you do all this and you get up and do the crowd thing and make a day of it. Well, anyway, you can get excited about all that. Well, this is the time God's trying to say, wake up, it started. Wake up, wake up, wake, wake up, it started. This is what you waited for. This is it. This is it right now. So it's, it's the time to wake up from, from what you've seen and what you haven't seen and what you've been told because this you did all that to get here. All that was to get here. You know what I'm saying? All, all that was to get here, <laughs> to, to this moment. This is the moment that you were, you were wanting to get to. This was the moment. <clears throat> and I believe with all of my heart that everyone in this room has a very fine chance of seeing Jesus in the skies. Amen. Amen. Hmm? 
I believe this whole thing is about to be wrapped up. Yes. Uh, I'd like to minister this since I studied for it, but if he comes and gets us, we'll talk about it later on in heaven. We'll have a lot of time. But we're, we're, we're almost the end. We're not right at the end, but we can see the end from where we're standing. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so Jesus is coming soon. Oh, morning, night, or noon. I'm not going to meet my doom. Huh? I'm saved. Are you saved? Yes. I'm totally saved. Yes. I don't even want to know the, the, the bare minimum requirements for saving. I don't want to be on the bare. Right. Yeah. They were talking about last night or last week out of Revelations. God said, I need you to be cold or hot. I'm saved forever. Right. Aren't you? Yes. I'm not looking for minimum requirements. Right. Now, you can get into all kind of stuff. I've, you know, uh, Charles Capps used to say he had more people asking the most craziest, dumb questions. He said they get into, especially if you've got a teaching kind of ministry. Someone asked him one time, how, Brother Capps, how many angels do you think could stand on, on the head of a pin of a needle? <laughs> you know what would have been foolish? And Brother Capps wasn't foolish. It's if he had tried to study it out. <laughs> I don't know. And can I tell you something else? I don't care. There's just some things I don't care about. Now, we're all made up different. Some of us need to know how it works. I am that way in some things. But there's some things I'm just glad it works. Yes. When it doesn't work, I take it to someone who can fix it. That's right. See what I'm saying? Right. Some of you who's real mechanical, you need to know how every, how every little thing works. And we need those kind of people. Yes. But when it's time to move, those kind of people don't generally move. Because they're still figuring out the move and when to move, how to move, and strategy for the move, and all this kind of stuff. And the God ready to say move and need 14 witnesses and go to 14 meetings to get a word from God so they can go move. And God don't have time to do you. He'll just go around you somewhere else. He loves you, but he'll go around you. It's just like looking at a, a rock in a creek bed and the water's going. You know, it doesn't stop, but it just goes to it and goes around it. So God's going to say some things to you that sounds like this. Jump. And here's what I'm, my advice, don't analyze it. Right. <laughs> do what Jesus' mother said. She said, just, just do it. Right. Some of you are going to get some, if you're not already getting, you're going to get some ridiculous instructions. Amen. Your mind will do everything it can to abort it. <laughs> That's what happens anyway. Right. Our mind aborts all kinds of stuff. Yes, right? <clears throat> so... Your mind should be involved, but your mind should be like this. The, the, Paul said, uh, let the mind that was in Christ be in you. Right. Now, you don't have to abort that mind. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Where's Brittany? Is she here today? Well, I got a word for her. We had it for two, three days. She should have been here. She says she's working. Well, no, I don't mean she should. I'm just, she may be working. Tell her this thing. The, the, the Lord's, I don't even know what it's about. He said, don't settle. Don't, don't settle for that, whatever that is. I, I don't know what it is. Don't say, I, I, I guess I'll just go ahead and don't do that. Tell her, do not do that. Tell her, I said, and the Lord said, do not settle for whatever that is. Because God's got something di different. I don't, I don't know what it is. But I got that definite for the last two days. Praise God. That's what you call sin in the word. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Y'all happy? Amen. So we, we just need to keep our mind on the main thing. Because there's all this stuff to distract you. 
There's all the stuff people get you involved in. I've, I've, uh, I've had to learn in over two decades in, in being a teacher and, and pastoring that I have to really uh, um, focus in the sense of keeping my mind on the main thing. And that applies to everyone, yes. especially if you own a business. Yes. When, you, when, when you're involved in business, you, you have all type of things always coming. And just, I mean, you got, uh, well, on both sides. You got it on the manufacturing side. You got it on, they're supposed to this and they, and all this puts together. And, you know, you're trying to get out a product or service or both. And you got the help. And sometimes the help aren't help. And sometimes they are. And sometimes, you know, you want to hug them. And sometimes you want to shoot them. You know, and uh, it's just all the other stuff. And then it's the, the people that you're working with and the people that you're working for. And they said, if you'll do this, we'll do that. And you did, and they didn't, and all this. You know, it's just whatever. And then she said, and they said, and they all got an opinion. And, but I always disliked when I was um, in the floor covering business and run is when I had to go. Uh, what I disliked the most is meeting with churches. That was my number one dislike, was meeting with churches for floor covering because there was no one in charge. And, uh, and so you had, if there was four people or 14 people, that's how many opinions you had. And I have absolutely seen people get a fight. No, I mean physically. Verbally, yes, but I've seen physical fights meeting with the board of a church. One church had to have the police come in and, and separate them. They were knocking each other over the pews. Over what color? So while they were fighting, I just put down two more thousand dollars for miscellaneous in case any of my guys end up in a fight here. <laughs> I need some band-aids and some... <laughs> and I know he's going to hit her and then I'll probably have a lawsuit and I'll make it ten more thousand. Because <laughs> he, he will hit her. <laughs> so, yeah, and so it, it's... It, could you imagine the police showing up and having to take the deacons off in the back of a car fighting over the color of the carpet? Pastor Webb used to tell me no one liked it when he said it, and you have to understand what he was saying. I mean, he sounded like being a dictator, but that's not what he meant by it. He said, he said in every church, there's one family that's going to run it. He said, if that's true, then it's going to be me. And that's the response he got you know, right there. <laughs> Well, he, he didn't mean his dictator, but I mean, uh, John Osteen used to say in his first two years of ministry, he said, I think the devil sent everything they had and everyone they had to me to try to tear this thing to pieces before we could ever get started. Because yep. it's in its infancy stage, right? right? So it's a little bit weaker in the infancy stage than it is when it gains strength in numbers. Yes. And so he'll send everything by. So if you're one that has to know everything and you have to have all this stuff and figure all this out and you got to know all the doctrine, how it works, there's a lot of stuff I don't know in this book. I mean, I don't, uh, there's a whole lot more I don't know than what I do know. Here's what I don't do. I study sometimes with things I don't know, but what I teach on is what I do know. Never teach on something that you don't know about. Never teach on your experience unless you can find it here in the Word then after you've proved it out time and time again, and then you've had it work in your life and others' lives, then you can talk about it. Yes. Teach about what you do know. Yes. That's why I stay away from certain things. Because 
after you're gone and I'm gone, if Jesus didn't come back, the same issue would still be on the table after we're gone. Hmm? Billy Graham, for instance, he, they've been trying to pin him down for years on are we saved forever, once saved, always saved. But he told them his view. But you know what? He, he's gone now, right? Yes. And we're still wondering. <laughs> well, you know what? I ain't wondering. You know why? Because how, how many know if Jesus comes right now, you're gone? You know you're gone. So why are you worried about it? Just be the example to be red hot for somebody. Don't ever get over in that area right over there. You know, if you're wanting, if your wife's going to stay with you, she probably ain't. <laughs> That's right. If you're thinking about fooling around her, you, you're about to. If it stays on your mind all the time, you done pick somebody out. So why would you go there? See, your mind is the battleground. So I just stay rapture ready. But I don't have time to figure out the exact second he's coming. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be no good as a pastor. If, if that's all I ever did was trying to figure out the, the very day and second he's coming, say, I'm already ready. Are you ready? Yes. And we should teach people to be ready. And, and they, sh they should know and be looking. But to consume my entire life with, is it coming in February or March? Or is it coming on Tuesday or Thursday? I don't give a rip. Now, if I knew he was coming two weeks to die, it's gone. <laughs> Cutting grass and hedges, they're not on the list. <laughs> so that'd be cool to know from, from, that, from that standpoint. <laughs> Probably a little more ice cream <laughs> while we're testifying and sharing the gospel. See what I'm saying? But you got to know what the main thing is so that you can keep the main thing the main thing. That's what you get when you stay somewhere, and especially if you're in a, in a teaching-type ministry. You know, a, a teacher differs from the preacher. The preacher proclaims. He, he exhorts, right? I love preaching. I, I love good preaching. I, I love the exhortation of the, I mean, sometimes you may not have thought it did because all the mm, whatever. But now, I'm going to tell you something. You don't learn a whole lot from there. You leave there and by Tuesday, you try to remember what it was about. You can't even remember, nothing, but you can remember how you felt about it. But a teacher's job is to take it and explain it, break it down. See what I'm saying? Most pastors should be most pastors should be teachers. There could be a little bit of both. There could be a, a preacher teacher. Could be a treacher. Once again, I think John Osteen was the best treacher I ever heard. He actually was both. But I think that. You know, we, that's, why, that's where you become grounded at. Yes. And I've watched people, I've, I've, I got to watch this on now for two, almost two and a half decades. People come and they get every wind of doctrine. They get this, they get that. They're in this meeting, they're in that meeting, they're in this meeting, they're in this. They're waiting for 40, looking for a word from this person. They'll drive halfway across the line. If you'll come, I'm going to give you a word every week. Amen. That's right. The scripture said, when the Lord speaks to me from his word, he said, that if an angel shows up, he said, it'll have to take second place because this is the more sure word of prophecy. Yes. Right. The other looks supernatural, and it is supernatural, but this is supernatural. You don't think this word is supernatural? Yes. Did you know this is the number one bookseller in the world today? Yes. You want to hear some good teaching, just find out what this book's been through to try to get it off the earth. 
You ever read any what this book's been through? From people said their whole goal in life was to make sure this would never, you'd never know it in the future. Did you know that? There's people who've lived their whole lives to destroy this book. I didn't know I was going to say this, so I don't have the facts in front of me, but one such fellow, that was his entire goal for life, and he had a headquarters for that purpose, is to send out and to destroy the mindset and get this book off the earth. And I wish I had his name and all that, and I might look it up again <clears throat> if it becomes the main thing. But did you know, here's what's ironic. The guy that did that and had his headquarters is now one of the biggest publishing houses in that same building where this book is printed from the guy who had the building to stop this. <laughs> Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So, so Titus said it this way. He says, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law or about anything. He says, because it's unprofitable. Right. It's worthless. It's a waste of your time. Yes, yes it is. Amen. Amen. He said, and if you're with people who's causing division among you, give them a first and then give them a second warning. And after that, he said, have nothing to do with them. Exactly. How you like that from a preacher? Tell them twice, and then if they don't, tell them bye. Hmm? So <clears throat> I generally, and I understand that people are in different places at all times, but my, my main job, me, I can't talk about anybody else. I won't talk about anybody else. My main job is to, is to put vision and word out for locomotives. Amen. A train's a train, and it has several cars on it. But the locomotive is the one that pulls right? The caboose follows. It just gets dragged everywhere it's going, right? And there's cars all in between and they all have purpose and we need all of them. But for someone who's here and you're a locomotive, you're a leader, I can't feed you caboose food. You'll starve in a place. Right. If, if, I, if I just appeal to your emotions every week and the situations in your life which you have, and I just appease you with that, and I just say, the Lord sees, and, and he knows. He's watching over. Well, he, he, he's doing all that. Huh? But you know, if the house is on fire or the building is on fire, I'm looking for a way out. I'm like, does the Lord know I'm here? I'm, I'm going to break a window if I have to, make a hole in the wall if I have to, right? Now, see, we can figure that stuff out when we're out there. But don't let the enemy stop you in, the, in these little, because that's all he has. He doesn't have anything else. Now you think about it. What's he going to attack you with? He can't attack your spirit. It's not his property. And that's one reason why the Lord sealed it. He can't even get in there. Think about it. I said he could not get in your spirit. He can't touch your spirit. You are one of the untouchables. Yes. Remember the movies, the old shows, The Untouchables? You, he can't even get a grip on you. First John 5 says, in one of these real modern translations, he said, you are like the greased pig at the county fair. Have you ever done that? You ever, you ever chased the greased pig at a county fair? And, that, and that's what they do. They just put Crisco all up and down it. And we used to do that as kids. Even in school, when school was about out that last week, they'd take us to the park over here in Clanton. And they, someone would bring a grease 
a little pig, a small one, and they put it in the ball field so it would be in the fence. And then all these third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders, you know, different. Uh. And so whoever could catch and hold the greatest pig got the blue ribbon and needed to change your clothes. But, I mean, uh, and a lot of people came in contact with the pig, but they didn't seize him. They touched him, but they couldn't lay hold on him. And every time they thought they had it, they'd go, and the pig go, <laughs> and there's many times the devil thought he <laughs> you ever try to you ever tried to uh, we used to do this and assemblies of God we, used, we know we had the mission, uh, missionaries and the Royal, Royal Rangers and uh, I always liked that as, as a kid the Royal Rangers would go camping and we had all type of competition on them Saturdays and one thing was we we did is we uh, we had this contest of climbing uh, it's a, like a metal pole, but it was a grease metal pole. You ever climb one of those? It's harder than if it's not grease, of course. And we had cooking contests, and uh, me and Randall Robinson, we was paired off, and I did the cooking, and he did the eating. He says, I can eat faster than you. And I, and I, but he didn't ask me what my cooking skills was. And we, we were, it was whoever could eat his, so many pancakes in so much time. And I put way too much oil in there. Way, way. I mean, my pancakes were swimming, dog paddling. I mean, they, and he saw that we were losing. And they, they hadn't turned brown at all. They were still doughy, but just finally coming together a little bit. And I just had way too much oil in there. And he just said, we're going to lose. He said, give me those pancakes. I said, Randall, they're, they're. he said, give me those pancakes. And I got them out, and it was just batter. And he just, <laughs> and uh, we won. I won more than he did. He didn't win so much. He was sick for two, three days. So, but I let him take the blue ribbon home. Yes. I think it was, he shut out. He said, that's my ribbon, by the way. I earned it. <laughs> didn't have a speck of brown on anywhere. So uh, let's don't get into this, this, that or the other. Keith Moore always said at Raymond, he says, only teach about what you know. Only preach what you know. When God shows you more and it becomes foundational to you, he says, then talk on that. But stay away from controversial stuff. Mm -hmm. you know, did you know there's wisdom in that? Yep. Can, I don't know why I would share this, but for those of you who do minister, if you ever become weary and tired and you're still ministering to people, stay with something that you know. Yeah. Don't, don't go to something that you don't know that well because you're tired already. And that's where the enemy <clears throat> wants to attack you. So don't get into an area that's, that's controversial. Stay with something very simple that you know because the word's true. And if it's true, it'll always help people. Huh? See, because you have weight in that area. So stay in that area. See what I'm saying? And the body of Christ is many-sided. Someone else, you, you're not supposed to have all of it. That's why I need you. And we need you, and we need you, and we need, we, we need the body of Christ. People say, yeah, my minister, I don't like so-and-so. Why would you say you don't like so-and-so if they're a Christian and they're teaching about a Christ? That, that just means you don't receive from them as much as this person. But why would, you, why would we say we don't like them? You're supposed to love them. Right? Well, I don't know. I just can't listen to George Myers, her voice. Well, you could. If you was dying and she had a word for you, I'd listen. Huh? I mean, I'd, 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 I'd kiss a baboon in the mouth if I thought it would keep me alive for a little while, you know. French kiss it if you had to. 
See, I'm just saying, my chef's shaking her head. I don't know. I can't, can't believe. It. Why? Because see, because I'm looking to to keep moving and keep forward. Amen. This is where people get stuck all the time, yep. huh? And that's where the enemy see he has nothing to work with because you're sealed off, and and he knows. Well, here it is. All this is about to culminate from this year moving forward. Amen. So the enemy's only answer to increase, this is, only, this is the, his only thing he's ever done with increase from the beginning time, study it out and you'll see. Strife. When Abraham left home and Lot went with him, you know what happened when they all began to increase? Strife. That was put in there by the enemy. Strife is, is always the enemy's answer to increase in prosperity. Yeah. So Brother Hagin says, you, I always said, you, you stay foundational and you stay committed and you stay faithful. You know, when, when he pastored 12 and a half years and so he saw all this, he says, he told people, they said, well, so-and-so's coming to town and, uh, and he knew about the meetings and they're under a tent and people because there was a lot of supernatural things going on and the people asked him about it. And because other pastors would tell Brother Hagin, he said, well, I'm forbidding my people to go to those meetings. He said, well, that's foolish. He said, because they're going to go anyway. And if you forbid them, they're definitely going to go. Huh? And Brother Hagin said, well, well I, knew, I knew of this minister from people I trusted, and he has some things that are good, and there's some things that I wished he wouldn't teach that, that we believe is totally off base, and I really don't want my people to hear that. So he would just tell them, look, I know so-and-so's in town, and some of you may have plans to go there, but if you go there, he said, he said, make sure you eat the hay, spit out the sticks. And when we're having services, I expect you to be at your home church for home services. You can go somewhere else on off nights. He said, but you should be at your home church every time the door is open, and you should be supporting your church and your local church and your body and your pastor. Get you a CD. He said, but I really wish you wouldn't go over there. But if you go there, he said, you're trained, so get this and spit out that. Yep. That's, that's just good counsel. Yes, it is. That's good counsel. Yes, it is. Some people say, well, you know, I, just, I send my tithe here and I send them there and I send some to Creflo and I send some to Brother Copeland and I just divide it up. Well, that's fine. It's, it's good to give offers, but not your tithe. <clears throat> just call Brother Copeland and tell him, your daughter wants to get married and see if he can come next Friday. Oh, he's not coming. Tell him, tell him someone's going to have surgery in your family. Hmm? He's not coming. You know why? Well, it's not his call. So you need to belong to a local church. Hmm? Why? Because the, the whole family, we are, Paul said, we're members one of another. To the analogy of a body, we are strengthened together. Amen. See, if you're coming just because you agree with what I teach, but you're not so much involved, interested in being involved in the body here, then you're, you're losing the big part of it. It's because you're a member of this body. And you're carrying a supply, and we need that supply. We need what God's given you to put a part of what we have. Yes. Right? right? And when you're not here, I don't mean just financially, but I mean every which way. 
We need the gifting and the anointing that's in you to strengthen us where we need that. Yes. So Paul says, you know, does the, you know, I wish I were the uh, says, or the foot says, you know, I'm just a foot or I'm just a toe. And he says, well, one of the whole body was an ear. That'd look funny, wouldn't it? I would never have to say, can y'all hear me? Because you would be an era, right? Or if you were just one eye. You know, I couldn't get away with much because you see everything I did. <laughs> no, so we're, we're just, we're members of one another. And so no, no part's more important than the other part. And your part brings supply. I always say it this way. How many think the heart's pretty important to life? But is it, any, is it any more important than the arteries that carries the blood to it? Mm-hmm. Right? You say, well, that's not as critical. Well, let something go wrong with them arteries and see how yeah. you, you, you could die with a great heart and messed up arteries. Is that right? Yes. So, you, so you need that. Yes. That's why I just speak to all of my body all the time. I, I have conversations with my body all the time. Someone said, you do what? I talk, I have conversations with my body at all, all, all time, almost every day. And when you get over a certain age, you should talk more to it. Because yes. <laughs> I noticed it likes to talk. <laughs> yeah, it talks. So if it's going to talk, see, Jesus answered the fig tree. Some things need to be answered. Some things don't. Some things that don't need answering is just the last word spoke is doing the commanding. Right. Now, <clears throat> so here we go. Praise the Lord. Well, hallelujah. Well, I'm going to skip some of that. Hallelujah. First John 5, if you will. I'll skip parts of that. <clears throat> First John five. He'd alluded to some things in the chapters before that, telling us that God's way is not grievous, his his way is not hard. That's the part I won't read, but in other words, it's, they're doable. So the focus was in First John two and three was on was on us loving God, not focusing so much on the commandments. See, if 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 we talk about God and the love of God, then I don't need to tell you, and you're focused on how much He loves you and how much you love Him. Then I don't need to spend a lot of time going over the don'ts. See, I don't need to tell you. Daily, or send a text to you and say, Don't rob your local bank. <laughs> Don't shoot someone in your house. Did, say, I, have anyone ever got a text to me like that? I don't think you have. If, it, if it's not, if, I, if, if you get that from me, I've been hacked. <laughs> okay? Um, so here's the deal. So he wasn't telling them, you know, don't, don't steal or not steal or chew or spit or run with girls to do or whatever that kind of stuff. Our focus was loving him. And then he told us, he told us that we should love one another 
the way that he loved us. We should do, you know, horizontally the way that we were loved vertically. Amen. He said, how can you say you love me when I don't see you, you know, with actions of love this way? In other words, Jesus said one place, in vain they do worship me, but their heart's far from me. 1 Samuel 2, 14, I think, could be wrong on that. But he says, the Lord weighs your actions. Not your beliefs. So we, we say we believe a lot of things that we don't give action to. And you might mentally believe to it, but it's not a heart belief. You're, you're not fully persuaded about it. You, you know some things. See, that's, that's a mind that's in the process of being renewed, but it's not renewed. See, you can know scriptures and you can have intellectual information about the scriptures and could quote them and have certain beliefs about them, but he said be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that's where most people aren't. They know scriptures. They can quote scriptures. They have, they're not disagreeing with you. We can say certain things that we've heard. We can almost be like the parrot who parakeets these things, but they don't belong to us. So you're the spirit of the spirit, not the intellect, the spirit of your mind hasn't been renewed to think like he thinks. And, and I know what I'm talking about. Because the body has a voice again. It has feeling as the voice of the body. So your, your only contact with God is through the Spirit and through this book. And I value books and the wealth of information they brought us, but no, no book that I value takes preeminence over this book. I, I tra- this, this is the spiritual food that I eat. Any, anyone who wrote a book, I treated as vitamins, yes. supplements. And the words that I cherish most is not Paul. It's the word of Jesus. Yeah. The words of Jesus are supreme. Right. Now, we have to understand who he's talking to, the Jews, the Gentiles, the church, not the church, whatever. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Yes. Paul never pointed you to him. Paul didn't say, look, Jesus has a book table here and I got one, y'all come see mine. I got a better deal. He said, follow me as I'm following him. Yes. Well, how do, I know if, how do I know if Paul's following Jesus? Well, what did Jesus teach? So Jesus said, love, love, love the, the neighbor around you the way that you love you. Would you like to be hungry? Would you like to go to bed unclothed and unfed and, and not in a warm place? Would you like it? Well, they don't either. And they may be, by and large, there is a product of their choices. I, I get all that. But I did a lot of things by choice that was self-inflicted. Yeah. Right? Until someone come and changed to help my mind. Yeah. You can help some people so long with the, with the right Attitude in the heart, but be, do, but be doing the wrong thing and actually be hurting people. Some people to help them best is quit helping them. That's right. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Some people are just looking to, to plug their cord into your house and light their house up. It's like I told my sister years ago, who lived next to him, I said, you know, here's, what, here's the deal. I was messing with her when it, we put some sod down and it had to be watered. I said, um, <clears throat> I got me. She said, you're going to have to water that every day? And I said, yeah. She said, that could get pricey. I said, no, I went and bought me two hoses so I could hook it up to your hydrogen on, on the side of your house. <laughs> she said, oh. <laughs> so, I, I didn't do that, actually, but I just... <laughs> And that's what some people do. They just hook into you. Yeah. See, they're, you know, Kenyon called those spiritual hitchhikers. Yeah. They're, 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 not, they're not looking, they're, they're the, uh, well, he called them the unbelieving believers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they, they mentally agree. They are believers in the sense that they're going to go to heaven. But they need you to get everything for them. They need you to do the praying for them. They need you to contact God for them. They need you to get their healing for them. They need you to get everything for them. And the only thing they know for sure, the only thing they're fully persuaded they know for sure and have confidence is your telephone number. <laughs> they know that one. Like some people, some of us, the problem with our, with our smartphones is we got, we got you in their contacts by name, but we don't know your number. These folks know your name, number, and want your social security number so they can open up an account somewhere. They, they, they know your number. And sometimes you hurt people by helping them too much. You leave people in the nursery and you, and you won't let them grow up. My mother was an avid believer letting you grow up. You know, but they grew up in a harder area. You know, just in the sense of life sometimes could be a struggle, a big struggle. I mean, I know my mother was. Her dad was an alcoholic. He was never home. And when he did get paid, he'd be gone a month because he was spending on wine, women, and song. And there were four girls. Worked the farm. Plowed meals. Got chickens every day to eat. Other eggs for bartering. Making your own butter. Washing, uh, washing the clothes on the rub board down in the creek. So you can see coming out that way, you think she's going to let me get by with just anything? No, she's tough on us. That's all she knew. So when we tell her, well, we don't know, we don't know. So she, she'd get that out of you in a hurry. Because <laughs> her mother got it out of her. And I know that could be to the extreme sometimes, but we knew, we knew she loved us and that was the motivation for it. But she didn't have much room for weakness. And the Lord is looking for people who are strong in these last days. Yes. See, and, and, and you, you've been here, a lot of you have been here. How many have been here five years or more? Ms. Dana is the charter member of this church. Right now, I think she is. Scott and Tabitha will be right behind them and Tad Locks. And of course, Matt and G was the day, day we started. And Ralph been there a long, long time. By now, you should be strong. Amen. And I believe you are. Amen. And y'all been here, dear Lord. How long? Scott, Tapitha was here before you was. A little bit. Ninety-six, ninety-seven. Ninety-six. Going on twenty-two years. <clears throat> I, I know the Joneses because they, they were in my first little building. 
outside of the carpet store had a Bible study, then they came the first one, and we were shocked. And some said, "What?" And, I, and some said, "What's that?" I, I said, "I guess it's a visitor." <laughs> oh my gosh, is that is that a visitor? <laughs> we never had one of those. <laughs> what do you do with visitors? <laughs> Probably should say, hey. <laughs> huh? See, ask these people. They've had more reasons to be offended by me or something than anyone here. Can you see that? When you're with someone and someone straps a microphone to you, they've, they've heard more that they didn't like and they've heard things that offended them. They've heard things that they were, they were glad about. But you know what? They stayed. And they stuck it out. And the Lord told me, he said, watch what happens. Watch him. Just, just watch what happens. He stuck it out. Hmm? That they didn't take this or that or the bait here or take there. They didn't take the bait of offense, whatever, because every one of them, you know, not that they've ever told me, but I'm, but you know, if they would be honest with me, they would tell me this many times we've been, we didn't like this or that or whatever. I don't even agree with me a lot of times. So I don't expect them to agree with me every time. You ever not agreed with you? Hmm? You ever said I shouldn't be doing this? <laughs> you know why you say that? Because you probably shouldn't. <laughs> you ever thought I shouldn't be eating this? Or you, maybe I shouldn't be eating all of this? Yeah. <laughs> we were eating with some ministers somewhere. And uh, it was kind of late after a meeting and we was eating. So we was ordering, we were saying... Uh, Oh, it was with the greens. We was here. We was at Cracker Barrel and we took them to eat the last night. And it was kind of late. And so we ordered and we ate breakfast. And uh, he said, We shouldn't be eating all this. And I said, I know. I said, But I'm not going to eat again until in the morning. <laughs> and he thought, That's right. <laughs> of course, yeah, we're eating at 10 o'clock at night. And I said, But I'm not going to eat again until tomorrow morning. <laughs> so, see, that made it okay. Whoever's born of God, 1 John 5 says, overcometh the world. Did you get that? Now, see how simple that is? Now, how are you going to mess that up? And what overcomes the world? Faith. If you're born of God, you've got the victory. If you're born of God... You've got the victory. Now, if you want to go to your experience room in your mind and sabotage that, sabotage yourself. But what I read, what I just read, for whatsoever, whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Notice it doesn't say whoever is born of God is overcome by the world. Does anyone have the reverse translation here? No. Not to revise. That would be the reverse translation. Hmm? So how are we going to overcome? By faith. Faith will not consider what it sees or what it feels. A little while back, one day I felt in such a way physically that Brother Hagin, one time, he said he was so sick, he said he'd have to die to get better. He said in Texas, we call that big sick. Big. <laughs> hmm? 
Well, by faith, you see, we're like Abraham that we, we, we don't consider what we're seeing. Uh, this is a whole other teaching. I'm, I may do this pretty soon. Uh, I think C.S. Lewis, the one taught years ago, and he used several analogies like a train had three cars, locomotive, middle car, and a caboose. And he says, we get these things out of order. He said, we see things by, you know, faith and the fact and then the feeling. But, that, but that's, that's wrong. It's, it's fact. Then faith, then feelings. See, uh, the scripture says the word of God's already been settled. That's a fact. Amen. If you receive that, that's your faith. And your feelings get dragged behind your faith. Huh? But you have to establish fact first. If, if you're going to overcome the world by faith, you have to establish the fact of God's word. It has to become established. It, it has to be grounded in you. By his stripes, I'm healed. And you're, and you're talking to your body, and it looks like it's not changing. It doesn't feel any better or whatever. As a matter of fact, it might even hurt worse. The report may, I can't tell you how many times through the year people say, well, I'm going to the doctor next week. I want you to believe I get a good report. I'm not believing that. No way you're hooking me up to no x-ray machine with my faith. My x-ray is hooked into, this is my x-ray. Paul gave me the x-ray of the gospel. I see, you know, an x-ray, you see not the outside, you see the inside. And I see the new man in Christ in the x-ray. I know who I am in the x-ray. And so I, I lay hold of what is on the inside, not what's on the outside. So if you hook me up to a machine, it can go this way and that way and this way and that way. Because I remember watching the x-ray in 1990 when they told my dad that you got 24 hours or less. Because all your nerves are destroyed from diabetes. He said, I'm a diabetic. They said, yeah, you're a diabetic with 24 hours to live at most. I watched the next day. Because we took two scriptures, two, two scriptures, not two weeks, not two months, not 200 scriptures, two scriptures, 1990. I ain't been to Bible. Went to a little, I went to a word church and, just, and heard some things about the power of the word. And that's all I knew. Thank God I didn't know anything else. Sometimes people are dangerous that knows too much stuff. If you just take something and you just say, bless God, I just don't. It just says it right. It's just there. Here's something I got hold of years ago, and, and, and it's still, to me, it's just, it's just as fresh, and I love it just as much. There's sometimes, I mean, this may embarrass you, but there's sometimes I, I read the scripture, and now I pull the Bible up to me, and I just hug it. And I have kissed it many times. And if that embarrasses you, then get over it. The first time I heard Mark 11, 23, 24 preached to me, and I got it, I, I thought, oh, my God, we... We're going to change the world with two scriptures. <laughs> two scriptures, man. We're going to change the whole world. But now that I'm 23 years down the road, I believe it more than I did then. <laughs> oh, you thought I was going to go the other way, didn't you? Uh-uh. No, I'm not left summer. I don't believe in reverse. I've come too far. Huh? I don't need two or 300 people to make me feel good about what I do. If they want to come, let them come. But I'm going somewhere. If you want to get on the train, get on. Whistles are blowing, we headed somewhere. But make your decision quick. Either get in, get out, or get run over. We headed somewhere. Are you listening to me? So I don't have you an emotional little sermon this morning. I don't have you, Mr. Rogers, change your slippers in your whatever this morning. I got some locomotive stuff. 
I'm not playing paper doll cutouts and, you know, boo-boo sermons. Hallelujah. See, this thing's about to, this thing's about to end up. Here's the stuff I read now. I don't think this man's a Christian. I hope he got it right before he left. Y'all know who General Patton is? Yeah, I don't know that he was a Christian. By some of his quotes, he don't sound like one. And I'll have to take some words out of this. This was his analogy for winning. He said, uh, success is about how high you bounce when you hit the bottom. Not if you hit the bottom. He said, he said I, I don't care about if you hit the bottom or how hard you hit the bottom. I want to know how high you bounced after you hit the bottom. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Ulysses S. Grant said, never battle there comes a time when both sides consider themselves beaten. Then he who continues, but then he at that point who continues, the attack wins. You ever felt like quitting? Of course you have. If you breathe air, right? He said both, both sides have considered themselves beaten, but the one who will just continue again and attack one more time will win. Patton again said, a good plan violently executed, not executed, Violently executed is better than a perfect plan executed next week. Man, I'm fixing to get with this thing next week. Yeah, you about nothing. You ain't gonna do nothing. Yeah, you gonna hold a seminar bar. You gonna hold seminars about what you gonna do one day when you, whenever you gonna do something. Hmm. You you know where I learned how to paint? The ministry. I learned, I'm a fairly decent painter. I don't like it, but I'm a a pretty decent painter. But I learned it in the ministry. And if you can't paint or change a diaper or cut grass or kill weeds or wash windows or scrub a commode, I don't know, and and you're a minister, I don't hear nothing you got to say. If you can't clean gutters out, these things are full. Here's the gutters are right now. They're slammed full of leaves. Gutters leaking, all kinds of stuff. If you can't kill some weeds... Change a, change a diaper, teach a child, cut grass, run a weed eater, cook some cornbread for someone who's sick. You had no business being up here because you don't have nothing to say. That's right. Now, if you went through 47 battles and you got 200 scars, you got, I, I want to hear you. Yeah. Hmm? Because you've hit bottom yes. and you've hit it more than once. Some of you, your problems like mine. Some of you just ain't got any quitting sense. You know, they said if you had any sense, he'd stop. She, she'd just say, that's enough. You're a patent or a patentette. Patent went on to say, he said, a pint of sweat will save a gallon of blood. <laughs> I like that analogy. He said, an army is, is a team, lives, sleeps, eats, and fights as a team. This individual... I'm just reading the quote, and this won't—it'd be kind of a little crude, but anyway. A pint of sweat will save a gallon of blood. An army is a team, lives, sleeps, eats, fights as a team. This individual heroic stuff is a lot of crap, and I think they bleeped it out and put that word in there. I'm sure. <laughs> he says so. Attack rapidly, ruthlessly, viciously, with or without rest. 
However tired and hungry you may be, the enemy will be more tired and more hungry. So keep punching him. Here's some things that, that you need to know in life and ministry. Now you, you may not place no weight in this, but I've learned these from people who are generals that I respect in the faith. Lester Sumbrall. He said, the way that you, and, and this is, it, you know, it, it could have been, he got it from Pat, and I don't know where he got it from. He said the Lord told him, he, he, he said the Lord told him this. Um, the secret to this thing. You want to hear the secret? And General Patton, the same thing. Lester Summerall said the key to winning is a course of faith. He said, but when it comes to the enemy, here, he said, here's what you're going to need to know. He said, your mindset should be an offensive mindset. Far too many Christians live playing defense. In other words, they think, well... I just, if the devil won't bother me this week, I won't, I, won't, I won't bother him. And if I can just stay here quiet and camouflage, maybe he'll, he'll go see my neighbor. He will, but he's coming back to your house next week right. or the next day when he sees your neighbor. So Lester Sumrall and, George, and so George Patton, same thing. They, here's what the thing. They just said it a little different ways. General Patton said the secret key to success is this. Only attack and attack and then attack some more. Amen. Lester Sumrall said, if you're hitting the devil, he's never hitting you. Someone said, well, what do you mean? He said, when you see two boxers in a ring and the guy who's throwing all the punches, what's the other guy doing? He's going like this. He's trying to defend himself. So he's never throwing a punch on you because you're keeping him busy. He said, you'll never be attacked by a devil that you're attacking. Well, I just can't, I can't, I can't do that right now. My pet hamster died. Well, bury him and go on. Go on with it. See, you, you, you have to, <clears throat> you understand the Lord is a warrior? Now, we don't think about it that way, but the Lord is a warrior. He always has been. And when, you, and when you're going to see it most is after the rapture of the church when he comes back. He, he will be the Lord of the warrior. Hmm? What do you think Armin getting is? A, a checkers match? No. <coughs> He's going to play 21? Five cards stud? No, the Lord's a warrior. And so he's, he's put that champion spirit in you. But he needs us to attack the enemy. Yes. Not to defend your ground, but to attack and take ground. Amen. So the more that you're pro-vision or you're, you're in the offense mode, then, you, then you're always taking the ground. And, and so the enemy's trying to reassess that. See, a lot of people just live life defensive. Oh, this came out. What are we going to do about that? What, what, what can we do? Well, we could do this, and maybe we could borrow that, and we could do this, and maybe they'll. So you're, you're having to adjust your life to what's being done to you all the time. But I, I like what Ed Dufresne said. He said, you know, it bothers me when I'm in church too long and nothing's going wrong. He said, so I just go start stuff myself. <laughs> I heard him say, you ever heard him say that? He said, I do it all the time. He said, I, I pick the own fight. I just start it myself. 
Because if it's, if it's by the law of averages that's coming, I figure if I start it, it'll be a long time for he'll start one again. <laughs> now, that was years ago, and I didn't even understand this, but I know this to be true. The busier you are attacking him, yeah. he's on the run. If someone comes up in your yard and you just start shooting, <laughs> if, if you just walk into a bunch of bullets flying, if you've got sense, you, you're going to duck, right? You're not going to come and say, could we talk about this? No. No, we'll talk later, maybe, right? But if you don't get out of there, y'all laughed years ago, and I've been telling it for years, but it was some of the simplest counsel I ever gives me. The guy told you, he called me and he said, Pastor, he said, I said, what's the matter? What's the matter? He said, he said, well, my, my wife, he says, she's attacking me. He says, she's, she's beating me. He says, she's running at me right now with a big broom or stick or whatever. He said, what do I do? I said, run. Now <laughs> see, that was great counsel. <laughs> wasn't it, wasn't it good counsel? Well, <clears throat> how many of you ever gotten into some washer or some yellow jackets? Did you say, well, you know, the Lord's sovereign and he knows. Man, I was cutting grass years ago in Clanton. I had my, my craftsman moral there, and I was over near the, uh, that, where that kudzi used to be on the side near that fence, and there was the yellow jackets, whatever they were, they were down in the ground. I didn't know that, and I went over that thing, and all of a sudden I got about 20 feet from that place, and I felt something, and I felt two somethings and three somethings, and boy, it stung. And I had eight or nine yellow jacket bites, and they was all in my shirt, and they were in my armpits, and I jumped off that lawnmower. I didn't cut it off. I didn't lower it in. I didn't put the brake in lock. <laughs> and I've always been allergic to that. Years ago, I got stung too right here, and it, and it closed my eyes for three days. And I told everybody, my wife did that to me. <laughs> and the black had just went away, and the swelling was still there. <laughs> no one believed it, but anyway, they... So, and, and I went into the church, and I was like, oh, oh, you know, and I ran in the bathroom, and I took my shirt off, and two more flew out from underneath my shirt. <clears throat> and so, I didn't know where the hole was, but I found it. <laughs> and I came back. And I came back that night. Now, I was a messy-looking thing. If two will close my eyes, you can imagine what I, I look like. And I had fever in my skin. You know how you get that infection, whatever they carry. It's, it's in my arm. I mean, all oh, my armpit, they were itching. And it's like, oh, my neck. And they got me everywhere. So uh, I told her, she said, you ain't going to do this. I said, oh, yeah, I I'm killing them. I'm killing them. And I'm going to have so much fun. I'm killing them suckers. And I got me a gas can. And I, uh, I didn't have a coon hat, so I made one. I put a light on it, and I tied a thing around it. <laughs> and I... And I looked, and I found that hole. It was about the size of a quarter, almost half a dollar. And I saw them, and they just in there sleeping. And I said, sleep on, little darling. Sleep on. And I had my little two-and-a-half-gallon gas can, and you know, the end of it was about the same size as that hole, which I thought was a good thing. <laughs> and I went, and it was just wobble, wobble, wobble. Now, I know that that killed them. But that wasn't enough for me. No, we into cremation. <laughs> so then I poured some around there. I mean, this is 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. 
What if you just been driving by and 145, there's hardly any cars? And all of a sudden you come by and you, you see something go, <laughs> And I threw my little mask down, that's what it did. And I said, the hell with you. I still carry my wounds for several days and that kind of stuff, and it happened to me two more times while I was there. And, I, and the lesson in that was, get somebody else to cut the grass. <laughs> That's the lesson. <laughs> so you have to have you have to have that mindset of because the devil just prays off things. He waits to your situation. He attacks your situation, and he prays off of it. The devil's like a vulture. Have you noticed that a vulture never attacks something while it's moving? You know why? He's a coward. He waits till you're gone. Then he picks you apart. So if you ever get tired, it's okay. If you can't run anymore, then walk. If you can't walk anymore, scoot. If you can't scoot anymore, just move your finger a little bit. But make sure you fall down in the area of where you're headed and not going back that way. Amen. That's the key element of faith is that it goes forward. Yes. Hmm? So your body is hearing you. It's hearing everything you say. Your finances hears everything that you say to it. But it hears everything you say to it. See, your faith obeys you. Your faith was given to you as a servant, right? And your, and your servant faith needs no rest. And you just feed it. This is what it eats. And it only corresponds to what you say, not believe. You say, well, you know, but the Lord knows my heart. Well, see, that's, that's what gets you in trouble. Go to Jack's when you get, or Burger King. Right, and see something that you really want for lunch, okay? You, you go around there and just let them get that prepared out of what you believe in your heart. You go to Sonic and just sit there and just, Nessa, can I help you say, well, I believe. You believe what? I believe y'all gonna bring me some food. Oh yeah, what you want? Well, you know. Y'all know my heart. No, they don't know your heart. No, no, they don't know your heart. Th th they need a voice command, right? right? Angels hearken to the, to the voice, the command of the Word of God. Right? right? But, you, but, but you have to come into the place of, this is my ground. This is what Jesus did for me. Jesus did this for me. This is already settled. It's not even up for conversation. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not my body and some of his body and some of your body. This is his body. It's not even my body. Right? It's his body. But it's the holy ground of God. And my body will do what I tell it to, not what the earth tells it to, not what its age tells it to. My body, my body will correspond and get in alignment with that word. Huh? Now, see, you already know that, but it's the spirit of your mind and the spirit of faith attached to that. See, faith says, I know, and I believe that's why I spoke. 
Confession for years was taught, well, just confess it, confess it, confess it, confess it, confess it, until you believe it. When you believe it, and God will know you believed it, and you believe me, I go, ding, God said, thank God, go give it to them. That's foolishness. That's works. Paul said, the spirit of faith says, I believe it. That's why I spoke it. Hmm? So you meditate on it, you declare it, you feed upon it, and then you go act upon it. So <clears throat> I'd rather have someone who doesn't have it all together. What's that I used to say in uh, 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 ignorance on fire? Is sometimes fire is better than knowledge on ice. Well, I just wait till I get the whole thing and you know, get all this knowledge and, and whatever. My, my first sermon I did, I told you, I, I preached and I went in the back room and fainted. I told them everything I could think of in 12 minutes. I couldn't think of no more. That included my title and told them where to turn, give them three minutes to turn there. I can't even give my title now in 12 minutes. I mean, I got sick to my stomach. I started, we started in the carpet store and then went out there, then got through. I went into the warehouse because there was some carpet pad and I laid on the carpet pad and I went, oh, oh and I felt like nauseated. I was so nervous and I was so scared speaking in front of people. And everything, you can't, you ain't called to do nothing. You ain't this. You, you, know, you, you ought to be in here selling carpet. You preach, anybody want to hear you. And I say, you know, who do you think you are? This is stupid. You're stupid. The whole thing's stupid. And I felt like all that was true. And so I got sick and I just got nauseated and I just laid down. I'm a, if you could have seen, I was 30 something years old and I was laying down. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I had to make a decision. I had to be willing to do something very poor until I could do it better. I had to work on me. See, the Word didn't need work, but I needed work. I, I needed to develop it. Well, I got a call on my life. Good, who are you helping? Well, no, I, I got a call on my life. Good, good. I, I said, good, who are you helping? Who's your Elijah? No, God's called me. But he told you to help somebody. I was in the ministry helps about 10 years before I'd done anything. I've drove buses, I've taught, I've been ushers, I've, I've dug ditches, I've dug septic tanks out with shovels and lots of fun. Right. Yeah. I've done lots of stuff and was glad to do it. Cut grass, kill weeds, spray stuff, you know, buy things, carpet, uh, buildings, pay for it myself and paint places, all kind of stuff. Why? Well, I love God. Right? I'm thankful for what he did for me. I can't pay him back, but I love God. I want to do something. Right. You know, if you tell me you love God, you say, well, do we have to give tithes? You don't. You, don't, you love you. Right. I, I'm running out of time, so I didn't have time to really, you know, doll that up a little bit. I love the Lord. Do you love the Lord? Yes. Well, his ways aren't hard. No. He said, you love me, love them. Love your neighbor like you love you. If you love them like you love you, that's going to be some love. Right? right? then all these problems would get fixed. Probably in all these places, these third world countries, we're trying to westernize them. You know, we ought to just be nice to some of them. Drop off some warm chocolate chip cookies and some cold milk and tell them to take a nap. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they'll quit fighting for a while. Here, here's something Pat said. Let, let, listen, see if you like this one, okay. Uh, he said... 
He says, better to fight for something than to live for nothing. Pat said, my God, have mercy upon my enemies, because I won't. <laughs> now, I'm not saying we need to follow him. Let him be our Sunday school department. A fanatic is one. He said this, a fanatic is one. Anyone ever called you a fanatic? You want to know what that is? He said, a fanatic is one who can't change his mind and won't change the subject. <laughs> now, I have to bleak this out. He said, your job, he's telling his soldiers, he said, your job is not to die for your country. It's to make the other beep, die for his. So when you hit the enemy and you keep laying them punches, you see them come out? You get him against the ropes. And you, you watch all the, you know, and, and the trainer gets there when they start hitting the rib cage, they're yelling, they're guy, get out of there, get out, because he's hitting the bread basket. And when you're hitting the bread basket, you're taking all the air out of them. They can't breathe. And when you can't breathe, have you noticed if you quit breathing, you don't hang around the planet? Have y'all ever noticed that if you quit breathing, you, you don't stay here? So to keep living, you've got to keep breathing. Sharp in it. So they're going after the ribs. They're going after the lung capacity. So when you're attacking the enemy and his forces, he's always on the defensive and he's trying to defend himself. And you have his word and you have the name of Jesus. When Jesus came and they said, oh, Jesus, have you come to torment us before our time? He said, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? So when you're using his name by authority, you know who he is and you know who you are, you've got him on the ropes. Don't let up then. Pour it on thicker. Yeah. Pour it on harder. Amen. Tell him with an authoritative voice. Say, I win! Amen. Yes. Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Tell your body. Your body gets under attack. Don't wait till the fourth day to do something about it. Do it right then. Don't let the enemy get a foothold and roam that thing for, for six months and then you try to take back ground for a year. Do it right then. Amen. So we, we went in there with my dad with those two scriptures. Two scriptures, that's all we knew. Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty four, and one more. Uh, Mark 16, we bound the enemy. That's all I knew. I learned that in that word church, and I believed it. Bless God, I believed it. My pastor, Pastor Bobby, said, this is what Jesus said, and Jesus never lies. And if Jesus said it, by God, you can believe it. And I said, I believe it. And they said, he has to die. And I said, why? It's because his nerves destroyed. But the next morning, he had brand new nerves all in his body. Amen. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. He had brand new nerves. Hallelujah. He had brand new circuitry all throughout his body in 24 hours with two verses. It don't take two. It just takes one. Well, how do you know that? Well, you busted out of hell's dominion with one verse. Amen. Satan had you right. You was his. You were by nature his child, and then you heard the gospel, and you believed it with one verse, you came out of his dominion. Amen. Well, i got to go and learn 7,000 scriptures and see if I can start believing them. Oh, sh you ain't going to do nothing doing that. Get to believing something. Get to working on something. Get some action going. See, I could watch you, I could watch you all day long. I mean, I, I could go with Brian... I know something about tile setting. I used to sell some of it, you know, here and there. It wasn't as prevalent back then as it is now. And I know, I know basic. I mean, you're not going to pull out tools. I don't know what they are, probably. But do you think I've ever set tile? No. 
Do I not know the shiny side goes up? Oh, yes. Do I not know what spacers are for? Yes. <clears throat> so you might know the tile goes on the floor, what side goes up. But in a room this size or a bathroom, do you know where to start at in that room? You're going to start in the center? You're going to start on the side? Well, I think, well, before you think, you might want to ask someone who does it. Because <laughs> what you think and what he may know may not be the same information. And he could save you a whole lot of trouble. Now, he could tell me all day long what to do, and I would learn some stuff. But you know how I'm going to best learn how to be a good tile setter? Is I'm going to learn from a good one. He's going to say, come down here and do this. When I got the carpet business, the man I worked for, he said, uh, uh, come tomorrow wearing some old jeans. I said, really? Why? He says, you're going to go out and help, help the installers. I thought, really? Yeah, wear some old jeans, some old beat-up shoes. You're going to help them. So I, uh, I did, and I went out there, and he'd already set me up when I went out there. And so his helper, which later would work for me, he said, uh, you can help us put this tax strip along the wall, then we'll put the pad down. You know what tax strip to tax the carpet to? You ever notice it has nails in it? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever noticed the nails are at an angle? Yes. Do you know why they're at an angle? Grab the carpet and hold it, and it holds it better like this than it does like that. Well, I didn't notice they were at an angle. And I'm in the business now, two weeks old. So I go out there, he says, take your index finger, he used that as a gauge, take the tax strip, take it up to your index finger, and then nail it in here and keep my hammer off their baseboards. And uh, I didn't do too well on that. <laughs> I put down a whole room, it took me forever. They done, done the whole job, and I'm in there one room trying to put a tax strip down. And I got through, he looked at it, he says, uh, take it all up. I said, why? What's wrong? He said, you put it on backwards. He said, you got all the nails facing me. I said, what do you mean? I put it down that far from the wall. He said, yeah, you did. That's good. But you put it all down backwards. The nails got to be facing the wall. I said, what nails? He said, look at this. I said, well, how come you didn't tell me? He said, you didn't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> then I sat down today on, sat down on two, because I was tired. I sat down on some tax strip. <laughs> and no one needed to tell me to get off of it. <laughs> that was my first acupuncture I ever tried. <laughs> but see, I never forgot it. From that day to this day, that lesson, because I was doing it. Huh? You ever cast out a devil? Most of you haven't. Try. In a sense of do it. What if I don't do it? Well, you'll do it better the next time. Well, here's the deal. This is war. See, sickness, sickness any sickness you have, if you, if, you, if you have a cough, if you have a fever... If you have a fever blister, all that is is the embryonic stage of death. The fever blister from hell is designed to kill you. Make your lip blow up and just kill you. Explode your whole face. Well, however. <laughs> the common cold is designed to kill you. Have we not had many deaths this year with flu? Yes. Yes. See, you don't really think about the flu killing you, do you? <clears throat> There's a lot of graves out there this year, flu. It's designed to take you out. So you treat this sickness like it's an act of war. That's what you do. You, you attack it. Hmm? And if you're watching the old cowboy Indian movies, I mean, they're shooting them. 
much as they can while they're trying to scale the fort wall so they don't get into walls, right? Because when they get, they get into walls, we got a whole different situation, right? So you kill it on the outside before it gets on the inside. Are you with me? And you attack, and you attack, and you attack. And when you get through and the victory's there and we're having a party, you eat you some cake with your gun in your hand and just looking because that's when he's going to come while you're having your victory party. And you're saying, I did good. Hmm? Because this thing's come to an end now. And so the enemy's doing all he knows to do. And you got to know this. He has thrown everything he has at you. He has nothing else to throw at you. You need to know that this is as worse as it's ever going to get. He's done everything he can to you to stop you, and he had to stop you. But too many he's silenced. Too many were in neutral. Too many were just busy doing life. But if you would get up and you would march like the Syrians did toward, toward the Syrian camp, you would find out that the angelic host would get involved, remember? And they would hear a sound that's not really happening, but they would hear a sound, and it would cause an avalanche of what faith does, and they would run from you as one in terror. So Lester Summerall said, don't ever stop. He said, he says, you're, 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 you're always playing defense. He says, you have to get on the other side of the ball, and you have to play offense. You call a play, and you go run it. And you have to know this because I, I let this happen to me too many times. Don't do what I did. In war, and there's men here who served who I respect, in war there's casualties. And it don't feel good to bury someone from one that you went to war with. That's kind of always stayed with me. But don't let it immobilize you like it did me and say, I'll just go teach something else. In war, there's casualties. You hear what I'm saying? Some say, well, I wish I'd just been John G. Lake or Smith Wigglesworth. Well, okay, since you brought that up. Who brought that up? Jeffrey, you brought that up? He said, so you'd wish you'd have been John G. Lake or Smith Wigglesworth. Then you would have had his, you would have had his problems. Yep. <clears throat> Did you not realize that Smith Wigglesworth, one of his biggest personal problems, was he the man had kidney stones? He had kidney stones for five years. He said, "This is his faith." He says, "No knife will ever touch my body. Jesus is my healer." That's his faith. The man suffered with kidney stones, hundreds of them. He preached in a diaper. Sometimes he passed out preaching because he lost too much blood. He would cast devils out, heal the sick, raise the dead, kicked a baby off stage one time with disease, and someone in the audience called it. Better hear from God before you do that one. <laughs> if you do that on Tuesday, don't, don't tell Christ like Jesus. My pastor said we could do it. No, 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 no. Papa's talking over. <laughs> so you need to hear from God if you do that one, okay? But he... He went back to his room, and he was soaked with blood. You want to be Smith Wigglesworth? Lester Sumbrall said he was the most misunderstood man on the planet. He said God gave me a relationship with him, which greatly affected Lester Sumbrall. It would, wouldn't it? He said you thought you would have thought. Lester Sumbrall said you would have thought that the people wanted to go see him would line up from here ten miles down. He said, but there was no one who wanted to come see Smith Wigglesworth. Because no one wanted to be around him. Mm -hmm. 
because of his faith, he, he had this gruffness to him. See what I'm saying? And people can mistake that as your personality. That, you know, I don't know how I can even talk to him because he just like, won't you just believe God? And I know I do that, and I do that, and you may think that's my personality, and that I don't want to talk to people. Of course I do. But no one wanted to be around Smith Worth. He said, I could go see him anytime I wanted to. The only, he said, there was never anyone there. He said, the first time I went to go see him, I was in my 20s. I went by invitation. I thought I'll stand in line all day long. He said, there was no one there. He knocked on the door. He, he, he yelled, come in. And he walked in. And last summer, I said he went to town that day and grabbed him a newspaper and something, went in there. And he says, what's, what's, what's that, that English? He said, what's that? He said, it's the newspaper. He said, get it out of my house. That's not allowed in my house. I don't want the world in my house. Get it out. He didn't want to hear what the news said. He wanted to know what God said. Now, he was single-minded, right? But this man would, would, would literally go to the vault. You're dead. You've been embalmed. Pull you out. Throw you over his shoulder and take you to church and tell you to testify. You ever been in a service like that? See, you can't have 47 minds like, well, you know, he's embalmed, brother. <laughs> well, he knew he was embalmed. He jerked him out of the vault. Praise God. Amen. So in war, there's casualties. Yes. So when there's a casualty, you're going to have to make a decision and go on. Right. You're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to keep moving if all you can move is just this right here. Mm -hmm. Hmm? Yes. You ever hurt so bad that you're just trying to find a spot to lay down that didn't hurt so you could lay down and try to sleep on that spot? Yeah, exactly. Huh? And that didn't work sometimes, so you, you think about hanging a nail somewhere and just sleep from like this at night? <laughs> And the whole time saying, not me. This ain't my covenant. That ain't, that ain't, that's not what the blood of Jesus did for me. This is what my body does. This is how it acts. See, you're, you're attacking the whole time. So what, what does the enemy have to work with after that? That's what he used on Jesus three times. Jesus, Jesus. Well, you know, if you're the son of God, do this. Well, if you're so hungry, why don't you just tell that to do this? And the angels will catch you, and the stones will turn into bread. And all Jesus ever said was, let me tell you about the word. And the devil got in word, involved in the word. Can you imagine the, the devil quoting the word to the word? But Jesus just stayed on the same script, right? It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. He said the devil left him. He left him. He had nothing else to work with. If you'll get on the tack and say, I'm changing my mind today. Today, today, my mind, my, my focus is completely changed. I'm not asking questions. I'm not riding both sides of the fence. I'm not saying there's, there's coming today or 2018. It's going to be the year of this. I didn't say today. Today, this is the way it is. God settled it. That settles the whole thing. It's settled. This is the way it is. My mouth lines up with all that, and here's where we're going. And then you, you, you just stay on that. You just stay there. And you keep him on the ropes. You keep him on the ropes. So when the yellow jackets come, what do you usually do? You run and do what with your arms? I mean, what do you do if, you, if you're Episcopalian and you get around yellow jackets? You'll do what you won't do in church. I mean, you look like one of us, a Pentecostal. Oh, 
you run and you'll swat and you'll swat it there. Why? Because you're being attacked and you're trying to defend yourself. Well, we'll put that on the other side. You be the yellow jacket on the devil and get him to. <laughs> Move your forces up. See what I'm saying? See, if you and I are going to sort it to death, and I can fight where I want to, I'm fighting from up here. And I want you down there, but I want on the stage because I have the advantage to be on top. My sword going down because you're below me. That's why you're far above. Hmm? You have a whole different vantage point. You have strength on your side. Amen. Amen. New sheriff in town. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you, Jesus. Looking at a bunch of healed folks. Huh? The Bible says, let the weak say. Let the poor say. Let the good looking say. Well, yeah. (laughs) Right? Amen. Amen. We win. We win on every side. We are the overcomers. We have the faith that overcomes the world. The devil's on the run. Hmm? The devil and his mama's running. And his ex-wife. And his new one if he's got one. You know the devil being in hell for eternity, you won't never be there one day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you can set your kids free. Yes. And your grandkids free. Huh? He said he's blinded their minds. Well, take the blinders off so they can see. Well, y'all just, uh, you know, my kid, well, just get the blinders off. You ever put sunglasses on? Why? It's too bright, you're being blinded. So you put on glasses to shade it, right? Well, that's what he's doing. He's putting some Focus in their eyes that they can't see the truth. Doesn't make any sense to them. Pull that off, then they'll see the truth and think, man, what am I doing out here? Oh my gosh, what am I doing out here? Why am I doing this? Hmm? Or you can just keep on telling how bad it is. Hallelujah. We're strong in the Lord in the power of His might. The Bible says we submit ourselves to this word. We submit ourselves to this, this word, right? We come under its authority. You, you have to know this. All right, I'm going to take one minute. Can you give me one minute? I'm way over time, so I already blown it, so one minute won't matter. The authority that you have extends to the corners of all the earth. Yes. In heaven and earth. If the mayor gives you authority, it works within the city limits. Because you're operating under his authority. If you ask the mayor, can I go do this? He'll say... I'll get back with you. He calls you and says, you can do what you asked me to do at such and such time. Okay. You, his authority has now been given to you, predetermined, right? And you can go do what the mayor says in the city limits. When you go outside the city limits, you can't do that because his authority doesn't exp- expand to outside the city limits. But if you go to the governor and you get his approval, then now you can do it in the state. The Roman soldier said, I'm a man under authority. And your authority greatly exceeds mine, so why would you walk to my house 
because your words are authority out of heaven. I know that when I operate, I, I operate under authority. You're under authority. So all you would have to do is speak the word. He said, I'm not even worthy that you would come to my house, much less come under my roof. So your authority far exceeds the city and the county that you live in. It far exceeds some say, well, you can't pray for them against their will. Yes, I can. I used to believe all that. I can too. <clears throat> I may not even tell you what I'm doing to you. Hmm? You ever mess with someone as a kid, hopefully not an adult, and you put a sign on the back that says, kick me or I'm whatever, you used to do that in school? <clears throat> Did I get your permission? Let's just say she don't believe in healing, but I do. And I know she needs to be healed, but she just don't know because of what she's been taught. I say, well, it's just good to see you again. How's your family? I'll have a conversation. How's your this and your brothers and this and that? And you still got that yellow house and you got how many youngins you got? That many. And the whole time what I'm doing is I'm just transmitting life into her. That's what I'm doing because I know I'm doing it. It's like sticking the sign on without permission. And then the next day she wakes up and says, that don't hurt no more. Because <clears throat> I exercise my will. Not hers. But see, the reason I can do it and get results is because it's not my authority. It's his authority, right? It's his will and his authority. And so I get his results. Because it's, it's his will and his authority, his power. We know that why, because he said he gives you his authority. He means he gives you the right to operate in it. Yes. But you don't really have no authority. It's just his authority. Right. I mean, you don't have any authority unless it's given to you, right? And it's still not your authority. It's his authority. If it was your authority, then you would just say, Father, in my name, in the name of Eric West. But it's not my authority, so I'll say in Jesus' name. It's his authority. So it's his will and it's his faith. All I'm doing is I'm just connecting. Huh? There's just a higher place to get to. See, we said we're operating under an open heaven. You're not really operating under an open heaven. What you're saying is that's a portal, right? And I'm operating under an open heaven. But the truth is you're an open heaven. In other words, you're the conduit. You're not looking for conduit. You are the conduit. You, you, you are the vessel the power flows through. You're not operating under conduit. You're it. So wherever you go, that is a, you're an open conduit that the power flows. And you say, well, electricity can't shock you against your will. Oh, really? <laughs> but it can. Right? You can do anything. It might be a violation. It may not be what they wanted. Have you ever known anyone who broke the speed limit? Not you, but you know someone who did it when they didn't get permission? Have you ever known someone to light a cigarette in a no-smoking area? Because they will to. Right? So we can, with his authority, go and do what he tells us to do. It's great if we have the cooperation, but if we don't, we still get it done. Why? Because we're, we're the king of the king, and we are the Lord of the lords. We are executing, we are executing his will on the earth. 
But I find that the most sick people don't really want to be sick. But there's just been a few that's been taught so long that God gave me this for a reason. I mean, I love Billy Graham as much as anybody in the world. But the little thing that I watched the other night, uh, the day after his death, he was talking about, you know, he had Parkinson's disease. And he said, <clears throat> they asked him in the interview, he said, uh, will you be retired? He said, in my mind, I'm not ever going to retire. He said, but the Lord may retire me. He says, but if, as much as I can, I'm always going to get to the pulpit. But he says, but the Lord's going to keep me humble. He says, that's probably why he's giving me this Parkinson's disease to remind me that I'm going to need his help and men's help. Well, I don't want anyone greater in the world than Billy Graham. But I'm not following that theology. Right? I'm not putting that down. I don't mean that to be critical in any way or disrespectful. I'm just saying, but, that, but, but that's not the word. But see, if you believe that, because I always wondered if, if, if you believe the Lord did this, then why did you go to the doctor? Well, I'm going to the doctor to see what it is so we know how to pray. I don't believe that. <clears throat> you don't know how to pray? Yeah, I need to know what it is. Well, then why did you get the prescription? Hmm? Right? I mean, if you're going to pay for the whole doctor bill, right, then, what, then why did you get the prescription? To show the Lord... If I was going to take it, this is what they'd want me to take. <laughs> I'm not against the doctor. Go to the doctor, get the prescription, get help. If you need help, get help. Right? But, I'm, but let's, don't, let's don't take that down several notches and say, well, I'm just going to know and I'm going to sow and then I will know and then I'll know how to pray. Now, you know how to pray. Huh? You don't have to have an interview with the devil to get him out. Well, who are you? Who's, who was your mama? Who's your mama's family? Who's your daddy? Well, his, his daddy is B.L.'s and Bubby. And you need to throw him out of the tubby. Right? You don't have to ask him who his nephews are. You cast him out. Right? Amen. Well, praise God. Well, God's good. Y'all all right back there? Everybody on Facebook okay? Good. Amen. Truth sets you free. Well, I just wanted to give you that emotional sermon and appeal to your senses and your emotions this week. Let you know that every day's payday. And God sees your pain and He's going to walk with you and uh, help you best He can. Until next week, we'll do it again. <laughs> Glory to God. Time changes in two Sundays. Spring is about ready to spring. March the 20th. Spring starts on a Tuesday. Hallelujah. Well, I call you blessed. Amen. You're blessed when you came in. I believe you're more blessed when you go out. Yes. It's working. Yes. Say that with me. Say it's working. It's working. Tell that person next to you it's working. It's Tell them it's working well. It's working well. Ask them do they believe it. Amen. See you next. <laughs>